0: Slate Plus members, it's survey time, which means it's your chance to tell us what you think about Slate, Slate Podcasts, and Slate Plus. It'll only take a few minutes. You can find it at slate.com survey.
1: Hello, prudy listeners. Danny M. Lavery here, and I'm excited to announce a new live show this spring in my brand new hometown of Brooklyn. We'll have a special guest for a fun and lively conversation dissecting reader questions about relationships, home, work, and more. And I hope I see lots of you there. The show is Thursday, April 23rd at the Bell House. For more information and tickets, go to slate.com live. This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. Hello, and welcome back to The Dear Prudence Show once again. And as always, I am your host, Danny M. Lavery. With me in the studio is dear friend, Jaya Saxena, a writer from New York City. She's currently on staff at Eater.com, and her essay collection, Crystal Clear, is forthcoming from Quirk Books this year. Jaya, welcome. Hello, Dani. Uh I'm so pleased to see you today, and I'm so pleased between your, straight, your flat-ironed hair and the <laughs> lilac eyeshadow, I feel like I'm looking at a girl from Adelia's catalog.
0: <gasps> oh, that's the greatest compliment. It's also because of the little, what kind of choker is that again? I don't know. It's just, this is, it's a choker that I got on a free table somewhere and it costs no money.
1: Listeners, and you remember this from the late 90s. It's the kind of choker, like lacy,
0: almost tattoo-y looking choker. Yeah,
1: yeah. And they like have little flexible plastic rings that make a sort of zigzag you pattern. I'm describing it badly. <laughs> but if you think of Delia as <laughs> in 1998, you will get there.
0: It is literally only because I got a haircut and she straightened my hair and I'm trying to maintain that. And last night, as we were recording, last night was the Oscars and a bunch of people were wearing lilac eyeshadow, so now I have to wear lilac eyeshadow. Phenomenal, phenomenal.
1: <laughs> I last night was early to the theater, so I got a haircut. Nice because there was just a barber shop right next door, and I was like, kind of use a haircut. You can use a haircut sometimes. <laughs> so I went to see a show with just like a very itchy neck.
0: Oh, what um, did you see?
1: Uh, I saw Fall on Your Knees, I think, Get on Your Knees. Oh, yeah, 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 which. Brought back so so many memories of uh, the ways that we use rhetoric to avoid talking about our fears about sex. So,
0: huh? Weird. Uh, no one's was, ever talked about that before. No, no,
1: no. It was too uh, too much too soon. <laughs> How were the Oscars? Did everyone do good?
0: Uh, everyone did did quite well there. Uh, they were more interesting than they have been recently. I think it was it was really fun. Everyone wore some really sparkly stuff. It was nice.
1: Speaking of keeping track of what other people are wearing. I hope you appreciate that segue. Oh,
0: Um, this is a great segue. Would you read our first letter? Wow, I'm so impressed
1: with that. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I've been at this job for a couple of years Yeah.
0: All right. Subject, co-worker's diary about me. Dear Prudence, I am an engineer at a large company. I like my job and believe I am good at it. I sit in a cube farm and know some of my coworkers better than others. Last week, an HR rep scheduled a meeting to share some surprising information about one of the coworkers I know less well. He had been keeping a diary about me on his work computer. I only saw a snippet, but I was told it covered months. Um, examples being December 10th, arrived with coffee, red dress, messy hair, at desk all day, December 11th. Um, arrived at 10, morning meeting or running late, blue sweater, black pants. The HR rep assured me there was nothing sexual or threatening, but out of an abundance of caution, the coworker has been moved to a different building. She seemed to think this was a good outcome for everybody. I do not think this is a good outcome for me. I am having trouble calibrating my response. A restraining order or job search seems like overreactions, but doing nothing, the current path, feels like an underreaction. What do I do? I feel like a restraining order, a job search seems like a fine reaction. I don't necessarily think that's an overreaction. I
1: I also think saying you seem to think this is a good outcome. I do not think this is a good outcome is a really good pushback. Yes. I am right there with you. HR did not do a thorough and, you know, HR has not earned an A today.
0: Absolutely. And I think that the idea that there is nothing sexual or outright violently threatening fine but to think that that is the bar that this has to reach in order to become deeply concerning behavior um i don't think that needs to be the bar i think keeping meticulous track of your coworker written track of your coworker is, and what
1: they're wearing and calling whether or not their hair is messy like right
0: and that's, speculating where they were—that's
1: not for your HR rep to tell you. By the way, like there's not like you're, there's nothing wrong. Yeah. You you don't know that. You frankly don't know that. And frankly, he's a gentleman. You're a lady. It sounds inherently sexual. Yeah, not in the sense that anything a man does about a woman is inherently sexual. No. But this
0: certainly is. It certainly sounds like it is. It is at least approaching that line, if not has crossed it. I certainly think this letter writer should be looking for a new job very quickly. I, I think
1: for my first move would be go to your boss mm-hmm. and say, like, I just had this meeting with HR. It was totally unsatisfactory. I was not given enough information. I need to know more. Yeah. And I think uh, one of the things that institutions can often do— Uh, when they're hoping to placate someone they're worried is going to cause a fuss is to combine nothing happened with but we're still going to do this little tiny thing Uh, like in an attempt to split that difference like obviously nothing was going on yeah but we have moved him to a different building and it's like i'm sorry which is it
0: right it cannot be both at a certain level you have acknowledged that at the very least this was deeply, this is behavior that would make her very uncomfortable. Right. And so you cannot say nothing happened while still admitting that she has been made uncomfortable.
1: Exactly. Like, you know, you get to go back and say, like, by your own admission, Mm -hmm. you believe there is more than nothing here. If you thought that nothing was going on, you would not have moved this person out of my building. Yeah. I need more information. Mm -hmm. I need to know why this person was keeping this diary, why this person still works here, who found out, like, I need a lot more info here. Yeah,
0: because I also, you're right. Because I think now that there is no detail of like how exactly someone found out. Like, has this person been doing this for other coworkers, or is she the only person he's been doing it for? Mm-hmm. Both of those are disturbing for different reasons, right? Um. So yeah, I honestly like my my other
1: thought was: Is your supervisor like asking other coworkers to keep tabs on you because they think you show up late? Ooh! It, I mean, in which case it would be weird for that not to have come out during this. Like, right? Either your your own supervisor or someone else is like undermining you by having a coworker who you don't know keep tabs on your whereabouts and your dress, right? Or you have a coworker who's stalking you. Yeah. Uh, both of those are like inappropriate, unprofessional, not right. good.
0: And then I think even if it had been the idea of a supervisor telling someone else, like, "Hey, I've been concerned about." you know, the letter writer's workflow and whereabouts. Can you let me know if she keeps coming in late all the time? That's
1: That's, fucked up to begin with. It's really
0: fucked up to begin with. And even if that was the case, he then went above and beyond by describing her outfits and her hair and the fact that she had coffee or, you know, any of these sorts of things.
1: Right. I don't mean to suggest, by the way, that, like, if your boss had done that, then everything's cool. No. Just that that's another fucked up
0: possibility. Yeah. It's like, here here are many layers of what could be going on here. I would absolutely get more information I guess I just feel like I wouldn't want the letter writer to feel bad about whatever answer she gets mm-hmm. if she's still like, they they messed this up and I no longer feel safe here and there's nothing that they can do to, ma- to regain my trust. Short of firing the guy. Short of hope. firing the guy. But even that, like I wouldn't want her to feel bad about thinking, you know what, like I don't really want to be around any of these people anymore and I would like to find a different place to work at. Absolutely. I think that is a very reasonable reaction uh, to this. <laughs>
1: absolutely. Yeah. I I, I mostly just, I hope that if you go to your boss and you make yeah. it clear that you're going to make a fuss about this, that they can push back with HR on your behalf. Certainly. And make it clear that this is not an appropriate response for for the company. I also hope you can maybe uh, check in with an employment lawyer just to see what other options you would have. And yes, in addition to all that, be on the lookout for another job. It, it sounds like you're good at your job. You're an engineer. I hope you would be able to find another job fairly easily. Yeah. But I don't want that to have to be your first response, I think. You need a lot more information than you have. And again, if this guy's just been keeping like a daily record of your whereabouts and your outfits for no reason, he absolutely should be fucking fired for that. Yeah. And you absolutely have the right to file a restraining order. I don't think that that would be an overreaction. I understand that you're not going to necessarily do that right now Mm -hmm. because your first next step is like. Asking for
0: some more information, yeah. Demanding more information, yeah. <laughs> frankly,
1: um, and being like, HR rep, I strongly disagree that this is a good outcome or yeah. that, like, I don't take your word for it that this is not threatening. But but if you learn more things that make you feel more concerned, yes, at that point, a restraining order and searching his desk, having the company search through his desk to make sure that he's not doing even creepier things in relation to you, not an overreaction.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely
1: not. Yeah. Um, please write us back. I would love to hear just how you're doing and how you're, and just in the meantime, like maybe be overly cautious, talk to coworkers that you trust, ask them to walk out with you to your car at the end of the day. Like I I hate to be like, expect someone's going to like jump out of a corner at you, but, but take extra precautions to make sure that he can't try to get you alone.
0: Yes. Yes, Um, absolutely. And yeah, just knowing that like, Feeling continually disturbed by this and, and wanting to do more is not at all an overreaction. That no. is a very solid reaction.
1: No, not at all. Okay, so um, for our next letter, I've, I've had to do a little bit of research because this isn't my particular uh, denominational background. But I'm excited
0: su- to see what you found.
1: <laughs> I, I, yeah. So the subject is, I want to fake a baptism. Dear Prudence, my 99-year-old grandmother, who lives across the country, has been regularly asking when I plan to baptize my infant son. I have no plans to baptize him. My husband and I don't belong to a church. Baptizing comes with certain obligations and religious commitments that we don't intend to make. This is especially true of the Catholic Church. My grandmother and I are very close. I love her enough to skirt the issue of my being non-religious. I'm much more upfront about it with everyone else. Fighting about whether or not I go to church would only bring her grief. Fighting about whether or not to baptize my child would break her heart. I want to fake a baptism and send my grandmother pictures. It would basically involve me, my husband, and my child standing outside of a church wearing nice outfits. My husband is worried that news of the fake baptism would get back to his parents. Then he'd be in the difficult position of either lying to them or asking them to lie to my grandmother. Neither of those make him comfortable. I totally understand. Is there an option I'm not seeing? Telling my grandmother the truth, which will hurt her and damage our relationship when there's really not that many years left to enjoy each other's company. Lie to my grandmother and others. Lie to my grandmother and have others in on the lie. Please tell me there's some other option I'm not seeing.
0: Is there an option she's not seeing? So <laughs> I
1: I think one of the things that I really wanted to make sure I went into this doing, in part because we have other questions later that yeah. have to do with like specific, like dealing with extended family, various like religious and cultural issues, I don't always want to come down on the side of, like, maximum honesty with your family. Anything short of that is a compromise of your ideals as a human being. Only, like, tell them yeah. to, like, put up or shut up. You like, know?
0: I very much understand this idea of being, like, she's 99. I can fake a conversation about being Catholic with her once in a while. It's no skin off my back. And then certainly, yes, that gets you into more complicated situations later. But I see how that happens. Right. So...
1: For whatever it's worth, um, I I had been dimly aware of like 10 or 15 years ago there being a sort of like – little announcement of like the catholic church rolls back limbo um (laughs) which is not like exactly the story as best i can understand the idea of limbo particularly as being a place where unbaptized infants spend the afterlife um has never been like a formal and official doctrine of the catholic church Mm -hmm. um it's been more of like a a spiritual theory. Mm. Um and, and so I I I went to among other websites, Catholicstraightanswers dot backslash whatever happened to Limbo.
0: Which is incredible. Just like a very fun That's a
1: great Uh, Kind of website. Yeah. Um, So I I, I can tell you here, you know, that there's something that includes, again, the magisterium never defined nor rejected the idea of limbo. The catechism asserts, as regards children who have died without baptism, the church can only entrust them to the mercy of God, as she does in her funeral rites for them. Uh, da, 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 da. Therefore, while we hope and pray that God who is infinitely merciful would welcome into heaven a child who dies without the benefit of baptism, we must not neglect our duty to baptize the only certain way for a child to attain salvation. So maybe one of the conversations you can have with your grandmother is there is an open question uh, among church officials about when is the most appropriate age for baptism, and that you're not concerned that if your baby dies of the flu tomorrow, that they're going to go to limbo.
0: Yes, I think that's <laughs> Which fair. Is a lot to, like— <laughs> No, that's, I mean, it's a heavy conversation, but I think that's fair, and I think that is that is definitely an option if that is what the grandmother is most concerned about. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, somehow along the ongoing conversations about religion— She's maybe picked up that her granddaughter is not as religious, um, which wouldn't—I understand that the idea of having that conversation would still be very fraught, and Mm -hmm. it is quite likely that the grandmother has been thinking that she's a devoted Catholic this entire time and that this would be a really hard conversation. But I want to throw out the option that grandma maybe has been picking up on something.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and again, I'm not saying you have to be like, yeah, listen up, grandma, mean- we're finally having it out. Yeah. But assuming that if I tell her we don't have plans to baptize the kids, we would, one, have to fight. You you actually don't have you to fight. You probably don't. Um, you can choose not to fight with someone. You can mm-hmm. literally say, I love you so much, I'm not going to fight with you about this. Yeah. And then not fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, you don't know necessarily that it would only break her heart or only bring her grief. I understand She's asking about baptism because she's interested. I'm not suggesting she secretly is like a Unitarian. (laughs) But I do think if you decide, like short of faking a baptism, Mm -hmm. you can say something like, we'll let our kid decide to get baptized when they're older. Yeah. Uh, That's neither a lie, nor is it um, combative, Mm -hmm. nor is it fuck off, we'll never.
0: We're never going to do this. I think, yeah, that's very open. Um, She might
1: not be thrilled with it, but even then, you know, you could just say, I love you so much. I don't want to fight about this. It's important that we let our kid make the decision for themselves.
0: Yes. And, and, you know, you can throw a bone to being like, we're absolutely going to teach our kid, you know, about Catholicism. Sure. And whatever, sure. you know, but, you that know next of- time
1: we visit, we'll go to mass with you right. if you're willing to make that concession. Absolutely. What do you think about the idea of like standing outside <laughs> of a church?
0: I actually think that sounds like so much fun if the whole <laughs> family is like really in on it, mm-hmm. Um because I like again. It's like
1: waking Ned divine. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like truly, I think it was something, um, you know. Or like, I don't know, I recently saw the farewell and I was like getting almost similar feelings here where it's like I and I understand that this is then the issue that she brings up of like, my husband is not comfortable with this and I don't know what their relationship to his family is like. But if you did have a situation where you could email everybody and be like, all right, look, we're all going to show up outside of this church on, you know, some random afternoon everyone dressed nice, we're going to take some photos, and then we don't ever have to talk about this, but if grandma asks anyone, you can just say, yes, the baptism happened, and it was lovely. And like, I I almost hate saying this, but I don't think that is the hardest lie to keep up if you are dedicated to doing that. Sure. If, if that is like the the extreme version that you settle on, which it yeah. is a bit extreme.
1: Yeah. Uh, if everybody was totally on board with that, if I think that'd be cute.
0: Was totally on board. It sounds like that is not necessarily the case. I, you know, she doesn't say why her husband is uncomfortable with it. I don't know his religious background or his. Yeah, my like, thought
1: was like maybe his family members are like committed like atheists are agnostics mm-hmm. and so it's important to them to say like these are our values sure. or maybe they also were a little bit like gosh we wish you were more catholic mm-hmm. um and so if they thought that you had had a baptism they'd be like wait what yeah but yeah I, I i'm with you i think i would draw the line at like if everyone was able to engage with it in the same way and say like this is fun it, it is what it is she's 99 whatever that would be one thing. But if they're if they're feeling complicatedly about it, I think yeah. you got to let that idea go.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that, you know, maybe the option, right, is have the limbo conversation and have more of a conversation of letting the child decide. And she might very well get upset. She might have seen this coming and still be disappointed. But I don't think that that has to be, you know, the last word in your relationship with your grandma.
1: Right. I mean, and again, I want to be able to Encourage you to engage with her in a way that's not totally dismissive of Mm -hmm. her ability to absorb difficult information. Mm -hmm. And that's also not totally dismissive of her sincerely held religious views, even Mm -hmm. though you don't share them. And and I truly do think if you're able to clarify, like, the church uh, does not demand or insist um, that all infants be baptized. At least there's, I think, room for disagreement within the church like Mm -hmm. it doesn't sound like there's been an official like papal statement that's like it's got to be by six months or your kid's gonna go to hell (laughs) so that would hopefully reassure her on the on that front yeah and then to also just leave open the possibility that when your child is older they make will make that decision so that you don't have to like hash it out yeah I, i think that would probably be your best bet
0: yeah imagine that tweet from the official pope account though like, it's got to be six months. It's
1: got to be six months. Five <laughs> and a half It's before the age of accountability. Yeah, you're fine. Um, but... <laughs> yeah, and it is hard. You don't want to, like, relitigate all the, like, Anabaptist wars of the 17th century or, or whenever all the Anabaptist wars were. Sure. But um it is <laughs> challenging. Um But, yeah, yeah. good luck. It, it is hard to get other people to lie for you about something they don't want to lie about. I would yeah. say that's my main thing is – They'll stop lying for you if they didn't really have their hearts in it in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if we couldn't fake the moon landing, I don't know that you'll be able to successfully fake a baptism. We couldn't. <laughs> I mean, we're on this podcast right now questioning it. Ugh. That's got to tell you something.
0: All right. Wow. We got to move on.
1: <laughs> would you, we're, we're moving into a slightly more, not slightly more, but a much more, I think. Heavier. Heavy, heavy here. topic. If you would read this next letter. Sure.
0: Um, how can I stay? "'Dear Prudence, last week I spent the night with my boyfriend, a somewhat rare opportunity for us given our current living constraints. That night, though we had planned to have sex, I was tired and I told him I didn't want any sexual contact, so we cuddled together and slept. Through the night, he repeatedly cut my breast sexually despite my pushing his hand away. I'm furious. He has had difficulty understanding how to respect my space, but has worked on himself to great effect.' This is why that night when he crossed the line, it felt like a worse violation of my trust because he knew what it meant. He is, for what it's worth, torn now by guilt and has apologized profusely. I think he should have thought of this all before making his choices. I'm so angry that I am very likely going to break up with him. But for the sake of argument, since we have loved each other and otherwise enriched each other's lives, is there any scenario in which I could stay? Could you help me think through what forgiveness and taking responsibility for his actions could look like?" I have a history of sexual assault, which he knows about, and I don't want to put my body on the line again. But if he is genuinely remorseful, and if the very small part of me that shies away from leaving prevails, what would it look like for him to rebuild trust? Is this even possible? Um, I think my first thought about this mm-hmm. is that the the idea of what would forgiveness look like. Th- forgiveness is not something that is defined outside of the, the people who are looking for it. Mm-hmm. What would forgiveness look like is you asking yourself what would he have to do to regain your trust and it's very likely that that is nothing there's nothing he could do he could he could go ahead and feel sorry and he could learn that lesson and take it to his next relationship Um, but if there is nothing that you can think of that he could do to make you forgive him then forgiveness won't happen
1: I'm right there with you and I also think it's it's really crucial to to acknowledge the distinct nature of forgiveness versus reconciliation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you can forgive someone and never speak to them again. Yeah, you can forgive someone and break up with them. You can forgive someone and uh, remain in a relationship and also say you have broken the trust that existed between us when it comes to our physical and sexual relationship and I need to take a long break from that and we need to go to counseling together and figure out what it would mean for you to regain that trust. All of those are options that are available to you. I Mm -hmm. think uh, what I read in this is your understanding of forgiveness is staying with him. Mm -hmm. It it would be how do I forgive him so that I can stay with him? Um, and And the underlying implication here too is how could I make that happen Because he's trying. Right. Like you don't say anything about, I think forgiveness would be meaningful to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I would really like to stay in this relationship because I enjoy X, Y, and Z and I'm excited about the future. It's more like because he's trying, because he feels really bad, it is now my job to forgive him and make sure we can stay together. Yeah. And I just. That's
0: not the case. I just don't think that's true. No. At all. You know, it's a, it's a sad situation. And obviously, you know, you say that you've loved each other. And, you know, it's always probably going to be sad to lose that. But, yeah, you do not owe somebody a relationship just because they're trying. mm mm-hmm. um, You know, and that's, and that's fine. Yeah. And so I definitely think, you know, right, if you can identify some very specific things that he could do to regain your trust and to earn your forgiveness, and you want to tell him what those are and let him do that— he can try. But also, even if that happens, it's very likely that he could accomplish all these things and you'd still feel like you didn't want to be in this relationship. And and that's fine. And you don't have to be.
1: Right. I, you know, for, for me, the thing that I just dial in on the most is I'm so angry that I'm very likely going to break up with him. But for the sake of argument, mm-hmm. since we have loved each other and have otherwise enriched each other's lives, is there any scenario in which I could stay? And— I just don't think you need to worry about for the sake of argument. Yeah. A- and I think sometimes it-, it can feel like either I stay with this person and forgive them or I break up with him and say, fuck you, you're bad. Mm-hmm. You you have more options than that. And and you get to decide what forgiveness looks like for you. You don't have to rush to forgive him. You don't have to forgive him just because he feels bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but but neither do you have to say, I'm breaking up with you and there's no hope for you and you just have to hate yourself forever. Right. I, I think you can say like, That night you violated my trust. Um, I I no longer want to have sex with you. I'm glad that you're sorry and that you're working on this. I I wish you well in the future. But when it comes to our romantic relationship, we're over. That would frankly be part of taking responsibility for his actions, I think, would be acknowledging I can't get this relationship back. Right. I can change myself. I can experience sincere regret. I, I can make choices to never violate a partner's trust like that again in the future. Mm-hmm. But taking responsibility would mean acknowledging, yeah, I hurt you and I can't just undo that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because I think taking responsibility means that you, you don't get to have everything back that maybe you messed up. It doesn't mean that... You've you figured it out, and now you get your old life back.
1: Right, um, forgiveness doesn't mean the removal of consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, even that line about he has had difficulty understanding how to respect my space, but has worked on himself to great effect. Without diminishing that. Mm-hmm. Um, It's a little... It's worrying. Yeah. You know, I I want you to have a partner who doesn't have difficulty respecting how to... uh, Sorry, who doesn't have difficulty understanding how to respect your space. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that you'll you'll never... Like, I, I don't think it's setting the bar too high to say, I want a partner who has a baseline understanding of what respecting someone else's space and limits looks like. Right. Doesn't mean we'll never fight. Doesn't mean we'll never disagree. Doesn't mean we'll never... Uh, get on each other's nerves, but just that kind of baseline. If I say I don't want to have sex, I trust that they're not going to repeatedly try to like touch me and get me to change my mind throughout the night. Yeah. That's a very appropriate, reasonable, normal bar that you can set. Yeah. Um, You can ask and expect that of future partners.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um, So, yeah, I, I think there's a reason why it felt worse than it otherwise would have, because, you know, he's lately been making progress. Mm
0: hmm. But again, right? It's sort of the. I also don't want her to feel like it's her job to try to teach him how to be this person. I mean, obviously, great that he's making progress. Everyone learns and grows throughout their life. But he doesn't have to but like
1: learn and grow
0: on your body. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, I, I think the bit again that uh, just like stands out to me the most is towards the end. Uh, I have a history of sexual assault. He knows about it. The idea of staying in this relationship in some way makes her feel like she's putting her body on the line. Mm-hmm. I don't like that for you. No. Um, and so you just say there's a very small part of me that shies away from leaving. I get that. Mm-hmm. I-, I would just say share that with friends that you trust. Say, I want to leave this relationship because he's violated my trust in a very serious, profound way. But part of me is really afraid to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I need help. Yeah. Can you just remind me that I'm allowed to do this? Um, can you help me, like, maybe pick up my stuff or, like, you know, block his number for a while or or whatever it is that you need to get through this breakup? Yeah. Ask for that.
0: Yeah, because it very much sounds like she wants to break up yeah. and that she feels guilty about feeling that. And I don't think she has to feel guilty.
1: Yeah, and to just make it really clear, like, he needs to go work his guilt out somewhere else mm-hmm. and that you wish him well in that, but you're not going to be the person who can help him do it.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Um,
1: and if his response to that is anything other than, you're right, I'm sorry, I will respect this boundary, what he's doing is repeating that violation mm-hmm. on a different scale. You know, if you say, I need to not be your girlfriend, and he says, no, 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 you have to come back to me because I want you to, it's the That's same. That's the same thing. It's the same thing, and that would that would tell you everything you would need to know about what, what you could expect from him in the future. Yeah. Good luck. Yes. I don't want you to stay. I want you to break up with him. And I hope that he never does this again to any of his other partners in the future. Yes. Oh my goodness! This next one, <laughs> <laughs> I am so sorry for this letter writer. You're I the feel rude really, coworker. Yeah. Subject: Rude about age gap. Dear Prudence, I am a married twenty-three-year-old woman in an office where most of the staff is much older than me. My husband is ten years older than me. We met in a college class. We both come from similar working-class backgrounds, and we both lost a parent to cancer. An older coworker told me she found the age gap in my marriage, quote, kind of creepy, and that she would never allow her daughter to date an older man. Her daughter is 18. I told her I thought a parent controlling her adult daughter's sex life was creepy and invasive. She got offended, and our working relationship is now cold. I'm struggling here because my coworkers keep comparing me to their idiot offspring. I'm not a child and I'm not their child. I do not need pats on the head or unwelcome advice. How do I handle this? First of all, you're amazing. Yeah. That I've, was a very great comeback.
0: I so feel for this woman because yeah, being 23 and if the rest of the staff is older than you, it sucks that this is somewhat inevitable that people are maybe going to treat you like a kid, but like it it yeah, it shouldn't happen but it does. It's a,
1: it's amazing too that like it sounds like your relationship with your husband is a really good one. Mm-hmm. You have a lot in common. You're able to lean on one another. And it's kind of rich that these older women are doing the very thing they, like, think your husband is doing, which is to say, like, infantilizing you. Yeah. And using your age as an excuse to say inappropriate shit to you. <laughs>
0: um,
1: which I'm sure they that wouldn't. That
0: would be a good comeback. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure they wouldn't appreciate your
1: pointing that out. You said the perfect thing to her. Mm-hmm. Um It's too bad that she got offended by the truth. Mm -hmm. This is not a situation where you said something really out of line at work and you need to walk it back. Like, what the fuck did she think was going to happen? Yeah. She think you were going to be like, oh, my God, thank you. I'm secretly actually 15 and he kidnapped me. Yeah. Like, I'm a 23-year-old adult and I'm married. I'm good. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I think at this point the only thing you need to do is be professional when you encounter her don't worry about it if she is rude yeah like just think of her as a person whose difficulty is a part of your day that you have to work around
0: right i think yeah as long as it's your working relationship is cold but as long as she is not keeping you from being able to get your work done or she's not sabotaging you in any way you can deal with a person being cold to you when you give them a piece of paperwork to fill out or anything I think, like, with any other coworkers, you might just need to continue shutting down those conversations, you uh-huh. know, as politely as possible, unless they keep pressing, but just being like, oh, I don't feel like discussing my marriage. Yep, yep. And
1: yeah, I, I wouldn't say don't compare me to your idiot offspring. No. <laughs> but the line, hey, I'm not a child and I'm not your child, super appropriate. Super
0: appropriate. And yeah, I think just if they keep trying to ask about your marriage if that's what's going on or
1: or comparing you to their or comparing kids, you to their kid whatever.
0: just say you know i don't think that's appropriate let's change the subject or walk away go back to work right do do whatever you need to do to get out of that situation and hopefully they'll they'll get the message
1: and obviously what's hard about that is because they've already positioned you as essentially a child mm-hmm. um any attempts to push back they will probably at least initially read as, oh, you're emotional. Oh, this right. is a sign that you're – so you'll have to maintain even more composure than you would otherwise in order to kind of protect yourself against mm-hmm. that.
0: But And certainly more composure than these people maybe deserve. Right, right.
1: But um, I, I think to just continue holding that line of like this is not an appropriate work conversation. Please don't compare me to your children. I am an adult. Let's talk about work. Like all of those things are going to need to be in your arsenal. And at a certain point, if they're not paying attention to those reminders, going to your boss and and just saying like, this is really affecting my ability to get work done. I hope it
0: doesn't come to that again, in
1: part, because it will feel hard to be like, God, I'm going to the adult.
0: Right. You know, but yeah, you don't want to feel like they're comparing me to a child. So I'm tattling, even though that's not what's happening. That is how they will frame it. Right. And that's annoying. Right.
1: But to just really, if it does come to that, to be able to say to your boss, like, I am an adult. Adult, I've been hired here to do a job. I don't think it's unreasonable to ask that my colleagues treat me like a colleague. Mm -hmm. um, And they're not. And I need need your help addressing this because they will not listen to me. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But, I mean, my God, that is just a hell of a thing to say. I just
0: don't under—I mean, like, fine if this older coworker is going to see a married couple with a 10-year age difference, which is not— I don't think an absurd, the most absurd age difference. I mean, if she was 23 and her husband was 70, maybe I'd be a little bit like, "Who? how did that happen? But it's just one of those things where like... You, you think that to yourself, the, you know? Like... <laughs>
1: The difference between a minor who is being taken advantage of versus, like, an adult who's making a choice that you might not like. Yeah. But that choice does not affect your ability to work together. Nope. And, again, just, like, it's so goddamn infantilizing to talk to a 23-year-old who works at your company and say, hey, you remind me of my barely legal daughter whose dating life I'd like to control. Yeah. It's just like,
0: you thought that was a cool thing to say? No. Really? I feel like all these people need more robust like uh, group DMs, group chats so they can just get that all out with like a safe collection of people and not say it to their coworkers. I guess. I, I tend I to know. think
1: of like I don't want this woman to let any more stuff out. I want That's to like
0: fair reroute her brain.
1: <laughs> um, but just like at what point does she consider young women actual adults? I yeah. think is my like real question here. Like. I, right. I think it's really creepy to tr- to treat a 23-year-old woman like she's not an adult.
0: Yeah, um, especially one who has a job, who works with you. Literally like <laughs> literally a job comparable you.
1: to your job. <laughs> um, you know, do you do you think she should be fired and sent back to high school? Like, yeah, wh- wh- like Why do you think
0: she can't make her wh- own choices? What is the end game here? Ugh.
1: Ugh. Wow. She just wants to be your mom, and that's awful. Um, <laughs> she's not your damn mom. Um, good for you. You sound great. I hope yeah. you and your husband have a wonderful day.
0: Uh, All right. Next
1: letter. It's all you Uh,
0: family values pressure. Dear Prudence, I'm a woman from a conservative South Asian family. For the past three years, I've been living with my partner. I'd like to move forward in our relationship buy a house, get pets, etc. My partner doesn't want to get married. And I'm fine with that. The problem is my family. Half of my immediate family doesn't know that I'm living with my partner and would never accept it if we were married. So far, I've gone as far as asking my partner to stay with their mom for a few days while my parents visit. I've resorted to hiding their stuff to to prevent my parents finding out. I don't know how this would work when we buy a house together. I can't ask them to erase their existence from our house every time my parents visit. It's not fair. But the thought of telling my parents the whole story fills me with anxiety and dread. Sometimes I find myself considering marriage just to appease my family. I would like the freedom to decide what I want to do with my life and not to have to sacrifice my family to do this. Is there any way I can have my cake and eat it? Um, My heart goes out to this person. I, I have definitely had family who've dealt with very very similar problems. I think reading this the first thing that struck me is that she first says that her family would never accept it if we were married and then says I'm thinking of marriage just to appease my family. And I'm like if if you admit that being married would not actually solve it. Hmm. I I think on some level you know I know we talked before about the idea of, you know, lying or radical truth to your family, and there can be options in between. I'm leaning to this one that I don't think there's an option here for you to live any sort of fulfilled life without having some sort of conversation with your parents mm-hmm. and with your family about this. That makes sense. I think um, it's also
1: crucial, like like in that earlier letter about baptism, mm-hmm. to Get a really strong sense from your partner Mm -hmm. first to, like, what do you need in this situation? Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah. Um, I I think it's also, like, now's a good opportunity to kind of take your partner's temperature. Mm -hmm. Because they may very well feel like, I understand that you're in a really difficult position. We don't see your family often. I'm willing to to help figure out what options we have. Mm -hmm. And they may also... Uh, alternatively say like, this has been really hard on me. And for us to consider like purchasing property together or owning an animal together, I need to see a little bit more commitment from you on the front of being able to have possibly a difficult or painful conversation with your family about us. Yeah. So it it will be good, I think, to know first where your partner's at
0: in all of this. Yeah, absolutely. And I think then I mean, I'm sure the letter writer has a sense of what her family's objections are Mm -hmm. and why, um, you know, they don't want her living with someone and possibly don't want her marrying this person. And certainly, you know, if it's a matter of safety, if it's a matter of, you know, anything... Possible harassment, Possible harassment, anything like that. I mean take that into consideration first and foremost and make sure that you're de- you know any future decision you make takes that very seriously
1: mm-hmm. but
0: i think that if you're planning on buying a house with somebody and again owning a pet with somebody and even if it's not marriage intertwining your lives in this way right. i i think that's something needs to happen and something needs to move. I mean, I just think of maybe the worst. If something happens to the letter writer and, you know, they go to the hospital and suddenly the parents find out that you have a partner that you've been living with for three years and you own a house together. I, I don't think this is necessarily... How that inform anyone wants that information to come out. I
1: agree. I th- I think you are probably reaching the end of the line of mm-hmm. um being able to tell your partner to leave the house for a couple of days. Yeah, I, I just think that's not going to be sustainable yeah. over the course of your life. I-, I think two things will be helpful. One will be talking to a lot of other people who who have dealt with similar problems with their family who are from the same cultural background. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that means talking to close friends of yours. Maybe it means like. Uh, looking for support groups, maybe it means like going online and like yeah. seeing if anyone else has posted about it. Um, maybe it means just like asking your friends, be like, hey, do any of you have friends who also deal with this particular type of family and yeah. like Canvas for, for like <laughs> recommendations of like, oh yeah, like such and such a guy like kind of deals with similar situations. Yeah. But but also I think thinking about what are other ways that you can try to balance. Not necessarily having the maximally honest conversation mm-hmm. while also not doing an I love Lucy style quick get out of the house. Right. So it sounds like in some ways your family is at least slightly prepared to not ask too many questions. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like if over the last couple of years they have not like sought more information about your dating or living situation. Right. They're maybe signaling like to a certain extent we're prepared to say like we don't need to know. Yes. Um, And and again, if if you're prepared to handle this, if your partner is prepared to handle this, if you want to kind of just move ahead with like, oh, by the way, such and such a person and I are going to be living together. No more information. And your family's like, hmm, okay. Mm -hmm. You may feel like that's enough honesty for us. They know who I live with. They're not asking more questions. Fine. Mm -hmm. That would be sustain. If that would be sustainable for you, if that would feel okay. great you don't have to push for more there yeah if um you think that they would ask some questions and you're like i'm willing to do the like well we live together but we're not involved lie maybe that's a lie you're comfortable with right if your partner's cool with that too you know blessings yeah but i I think it's really going to be a question of finding out how much truth do i want and need to share with my family and um Uh, what are areas where they've maybe signaled that they're not going to try to push. And then also prepare for the worst.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, there is some language in here that I'm reading that she's, you know, I find myself considering a marriage just to appease my family. Right. But then saying, again, you know, my family would not accept this. Right. And if you're certain that your family would not accept this, there is – You know, yeah, I think a sense of preparing for the worst that no matter what you set up, they're just going to be upset and be upset with you and that that's very unfair of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, I think having as much compassion as possible for their background, their culture, where they're coming from, but also you don't need to let that control how you move forward with your own life.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and so I also want to take seriously the possibility that you do want to have this conversation with them mm-hmm. and that it doesn't necessarily mean you're all going to, like, hash it all out and hug and cry and make up at the end of it. Yeah. But, you know, I, I also want to take that dread and anxiety and pain really seriously. Yeah. So if you talk this over with your friends, if you talk this over with your partner, and if you decide you want to have at least once a conversation with your parents where you just say, "I'm I'm – moving in with or buying a house with or buying a dog with my partner you you know I, I realize you may not approve and you don't have to that's okay but I just want you to know yeah um you're allowed to do that. Yeah, You're absolutely allowed to do that. And if it goes badly and things are hard for a while, you know, you can reach out to your friends for support. You can seek a therapist, yeah. hopefully a culturally competent therapist who's mm-hmm. not necessarily going to just be like, if they can't take it, then, you know, forget them because yeah. that can be alienating in its own way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I I definitely think for a South Asian family, you know, this is very, there are a lot of different things going on in there. And I don't, yeah, and I think that that would also be even more important to find those sorts of communities that we were talking about before, you know, even if you go on Reddit and try to search, like who else has tried to tell their South Asian maybe family? Not Reddit, maybe it's maybe like, not Reddit, but yeah, like, yeah. you know, if you're just Googling around and finding that. Um so you can almost just have an immediate support, no matter how it goes, of someone to say, Oh my God, I remember when that happened to me, you know, here's X, Y, and Z comfort, whatever it is, or I hear you and I understand it and and sort of have that cushion for whatever, however this conversation ends up. Yeah. Um, I realized
1: that this was a lot of very sort of uh, vague gestures in about five different directions <laughs> and that might be a little hard when maybe part of what you're hoping for is just like do the following five things and you'll be great yeah um so I, I just want to acknowledge this is a difficult position and it's hard to to kind of rank your p- biggest priorities mm-hmm. and and I would just say in this if your highest priority is getting rid of that dread and anxiety no matter what the fallout is follow that mm-hmm. if your highest priority is, Finding a balance where you don't have to fight about this, but you're also not throwing out pictures of you and your partner whenever your mom stops by. Follow that one. Mm -hmm. You're also allowed to change your mind. Um, But mostly, I think the most important thing is going to be stop making your partner go somewhere else for a couple of days, even if that just means getting your parents a hotel. Yeah. If that would be the kind of thing that would be like painful or offensive to them of like you don't want us to stay in your house, then maybe it is time to have that conversation. But I I, I do think – asking them to leave, you know, every time they visit for the rest of your life is not going to keep working.
0: For yeah, you. no, it definitely sounds that this is, as you said, reach the point where it is not sus- a sustainable situation anymore. Yeah. Let
1: us know how you're doing right back in a couple of months. Yeah. Let us know what's up and good luck. I hope you get a dog or a cat <laughs> or whatever pet that you think you would like the most. So we do have time for a voicemail, Mm -hmm. but I don't want to. I actually just realized (laughs) as I was saying that out loud, we're fine. We've done like 55 minutes. We're not going to do that at all.
0: I love it. I (laughs) Sorry,
1: listeners. Just in the middle of that sentence, I was like,
0: I don't want to. It's my show. See, a great lesson in uh, realizing that you can always... (laughs) If you make a commitment to something and then you change your mind and you realize it's not good for you, you can you can always change your mind. Yeah.
1: It's- Listeners, you're all my helicopter parents <laughs> and I'm cutting the umbilical cord. You'll <laughs> never hear a voicemail again. <gasps> Jaya, thank you so much for coming. Thank on the you show. for
0: having me. This was lovely.
1: You are wonderful and a delight. And um, I hope that you have a great rest of the day. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Dear Prudence. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash dear prudence to subscribe. And remember, you can always hear more Prudence by joining Slate Plus. Go to slate.com slash prudipod to sign up. If you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 3327. You don't have to use your real name or location. And at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short, 30 seconds, a minute tops. Thanks for listening. And here's a preview of our Slate Plus episode coming this Friday. You are allowed to decide that you do not need to have a maximally honest, maximally confrontational relationship with your parents. I don't want anyone to come away from this podcast thinking, like, the only way to, like, live as an adult in the world is to, like, call up your parents and be like, Mom and Dad, you do these eight things wrong. Get it right or get out. (laughs) Um, I I really think it's okay to accept your parents as flawed, limited people and Mm -hmm. to pick your battles. Yeah. That said... I also think sometimes we convince ourselves that because historically our parents have considered themselves our parents and us the child, we could never disagree with them and like survive. Yeah. Or like if they don't agree with me, they win. Mm -hmm. And I I would like to push back against that idea. To listen to the rest of that conversation, join Slate Plus now at slate.com forward slash PrudyPod.